politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, all of our freedoms, our humanity, our right to live as sentient beings. It's all under attack by a bunch of demonic, demented psychopaths. And we got our work cut out for us here today at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today, Thursday, May 11th. And there is no end to the list of grievances that we have to sign against the kings, except we don't have a King George. We just have this crony system where they have invaded our sovereignty of our government, our borders, our mind, our soul, our body. There's a lot going on. There is quite a lot going on. But you wouldn't know it from other conservative media. You wouldn't know it. It's not so bad. In fact, it's not bad at all. In fact, this is a great time to be alive. The show is on. Did you see last night? Oh my gosh, that was awesome. Drink the tears of the libs, baby. Own CNN. Oh, there was a town hall and Trump just slaughtered this reporter that I've never heard of. Awesome, awesome stuff. All right, so um, yeah, what do we do about the border invasion again? Right now, right now. This is the bottom line. We are so screwed on every sovereignty, security, civil society issue, every life, liberty, property issue. No one man's going to fix this anywhere, but there is one man running for president that seems to paralyze our side and make them enjoy a show while we're getting screwed on issues that, frankly, many of them were either catalyzed by his administration or preserved. Remember, as we talked about yesterday, we've had illegal immigration for 75 years, but this notion of mass caravans coming in started under Trump. Because again, it's not that Trump supports caravans, it's that he threatens the left as if he's going to cut their jugular, so they respond as if they're fighting for their lives, so they actually bulk up their offensive on any given policy much more than before, so then now you have to be prepared to meet it, and of course he's not, and we get a worse outcome. So here we are. It's as if he never ran for president, but this is what we're focused on. So what is the solution? What is the solution of the uniparty? Everything comes back that I keep saying we need to do this, we need to do that. I'm the only one looking forward to solutions. But absent a new party, I don't even know what we do. I'll be honest with you. It's not going to be solved in the presidential election by anyone. But so long as we have Trump paralyzing and distracting and numbing our souls, I don't even see how anyone, no one finds a desire. See, at least if you didn't have him, people are like, what the hell? The border, this is crazy. But I'm watching the reaction of my colleagues, and it's like, they don't care. So that tells me that when you do talk about the border, when you do talk about the tranny takeover, when you do talk about very rarely biomedical security, very rarely, it's just a talking point like anything else. That's just the show for, for the day. But here we're not about show, we're about action. And that's why our advertisers are also action-oriented as well. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I'm sick of hearing the excuses. You don't have to change your phone number. You get the same nationwide coverage. 
why support the big three that spy on you and support the woke agenda when you could actually support Patriot Mo- Mobile, which supports life, liberty, property, Second Amendment, um, actually gives money to le- legal defense causes that we would support. So go to patriotmobile.com slash CR today or call them at 878-PATRIOT. I guarantee you, you will get an English speaker on the phone. Get free activation today with the offer code CR. Ask about their coverage guarantee. So if you don't like it, you could switch back to the cartel whenever you want. PatriotMobile.com slash CR or call 878-PATRIOT. Make the switch today. So... I don't even know where to begin with the pain of everything going on. We've been talking about the invasion in Texas all week, but there's another invasion, and that's the invasion of the hearts and minds and souls of our own countrymen, maybe some of whom dated back to the Mayflower. Sergeant Daniel Perry in San Antonio, he was sentenced to 25 years years in prison yesterday. 25 years for defending himself against armed BLM rioters who surrounded his car in the state of Texas. So just like they're not doing anything like we talked about with Ken Cuccinelli yesterday to defend Texas from the external invasion, what about the internal invasion? What about the internal invasion? You know, one of the things I said when people focused on Alvin Bragg and Donald Trump for two straight weeks, I was like, all right, so it's all Trump all the time, fine. But at least use your idol to get something done, which is serious. The fact that everyone should know that a guy like Trump can't get a fair jury pool in Manhattan. We need to start pushing at a federal level, but certainly in the red states that are in session, There is a problem in these blue cities within the red states, certainly within the blue states, but the red states we could supposedly control it, where you cannot get a fair trial. So one of the things they're doing is invading our country with garbage, people that have very different values than us, turning our schools into MS-13 cesspools all over the country, and no one has a good answer to it. I called for challenging Plyler Vido yesterday, States need to get into session, but nothing. Okay. But let's face it, even without an external invasion, we have the internal invasion that our own countrymen in half of the country, they don't believe in the rule of law. They believe in the rule of race, of ideology. It doesn't matter the facts in a criminal case. If you are on the wrong side of the political divide, the law doesn't matter. Now, I want to be very careful here what I'm calling for and what I'm not because I don't like lying about people even when when I criticize them. I believe Greg Abbott could do something about the border that he's not doing. We talked about the yesterday. To be clear, Greg Abbott does not have unilateral pardon authority in the state of Texas. It has to go through a board, and he promised to immediately submit it. So we'll wait and hope that he fulfills that promise. But what I am calling, so I don't want to say like there's something he could be doing that he's not doing that's inaccurate. But at the same time, why is he not calling on the legislature to make reforms? You got to do something about the blue cities. You got to do something about that. And one of my ideas is 
that if someone someone could file a motion that they say this is a political issue, it's BLM, it implicates BLM, I can't get a fair trial, and they could request an expansion of the jury pool to the adjacent surrounding counties of that jurisdiction. So what that will do, if you do that in all the red states, you'll have these cities that are horrible, but the surrounding counties are very conservative, so it balances it out, and you get a jury of your peers. It's within the spirit of what the Sixth Amendment was supposed to do. And yet, I can't get anyone to to do that. And also, I do think they should call for an immediate change in the law to give the governor unilateral authority to pardon so that is something that he should be calling for. Like, I don't want to say that Greg Abbott has the power to do something he doesn't have, but at the same time, why is he not a voice? You know, I was, I was uh, trying to listen to DeSantis every day has a press conference now signing bills. I was listening to Latipo signing all the medical freedom bills. And I'm thinking, again, why don't we have this in any other state where every day they're giving voice to this? Every other day. Name me one other state where the Surgeon General or Health Director, whatever they call them, Health Commissioner, is anywhere near what we have with Latipo. It's nowhere. Because we have a uniparty. That's why red states aren't red. That's why our people are being persecuted, even in Texas. That's why we have a border invasion in Texas, and we're not doing anything about it. Because we have a uniparty. And this is really what we're up against to bring it back away from the Sergeant Perry story, back to what we started with. What I've been dealing with my entire career is the same problem. That for years, the top leaders, the top voices, the speakers, the majority leaders, the presidential candidates, the committee chairs, federal, state, they were the worst Republicans. See, the, the Democrats give, give the highest honors to their greatest champions, we have the worst guys in those positions. They're fifth column, columnists. They're terrible. So when the issues actually mattered, we really had a fifth column. They were always on the other side of it. That was the dirty little secret. Trump came around and said all these things that people thought we finally broke the cycle. But in fact, when you watch carefully, and we're going to talk about this in depth today, Weaving in some of the stuff from his CNN town hall, the few substance that you had, it's actually the same thing, but worse. Because of his rhetoric, you're fat, you're ugly, you're, what did he say last night to that reporter? You're nasty or something like that. Oh my gosh, he's breaking the cartel. It's Trump versus the world. And really, it's a joke. CNN loved that. That's why they agreed to it. CNN gets their ratings. Trump gets to be beloved by his base. And Biden gets to have a guy that's turning off all of the swing voters with his decorum, but not pushing solid policies to the right. So it's the best of it's everyone enjoyed it, by the way. That's a classic WWE fake controlled opposition fight. So it's the same thing we've had. There's nothing unique about this man. Except the decorum. So what so it, it creates this interesting divide. The, the, the swing voters you need to win a national election hate it. Our base loves it because they hate the left so much. So it's like, yeah, you know, call them names. Great. All right. You know, I, I get entertained by it myself from time to time. I'll admit that. But when you wake up the next day, where are we on any of these issues? Where are we? 
And I don't know what to do. Because the rot has been there so long within the Republican Party. I don't think any one person running for the nomination, I don't think Ron DeSantis running for the nomination, changes that in and of itself. Unless he builds a movement to elect more people like him all over the place. You elect me as president. You can't change this party. Until we have a party, you know, that's a, I would be a big fan if um, RFK would have run as an independent. That would shake up the system. The problem is he's running as a Dem and he's not going to win the primary. There's no way. So what does that do? What does that do is, I mean, I credit him. I got to know where he stands on some other issues. But, you know, pending that, if he were to run as an Indy, whoa, I mean, that that would, to me, that would start to break the cycle and create new alliances, new coalitions, and break the uniparty. I, I would encourage him to run straight in the general as an Indy. That's what I'd love to see, ultimately. But this is the thing. Where we are now is the worst of all. Because, you know, at least let's say you had Nikki Haley. So our base would just be pissed and at least searching for new ideas. We all need to do that. Instead here, it's great. Trump has us covered. This Collins reporter none of us ever heard of was nasty and was owned by Trump. All right, that's, that's great. All the allies of Collins and CNN and Biden are owning us on the border, doubling the amount of people identifying as trannies, tripling the immigration numbers, growing the biomedical surveillance tyranny persecution state, exploding the debt. I mean, we now have the interest on the debt is now, by the end of the year, is going to be as high as our military spending, which is a lot. The dependency, the welfare, the monopolies, that they're tightening the noose on health care. You can't get normal treatment anywhere. My mother is going through some stuff. I have a lot of relatives now. And it's like our health care system is so freaking messed up. It's the biggest economic issue. It's the biggest pro-life issue. No one has answers. What do you do coming years into Medicare, Medicaid, creating monopolies? That now you have a cartel where you can't get a normal doctor-patient relationship with the best science and clinical judgment governing things rather than politics, fake markets, and greed, not created by free markets, but by our government. These are serious questions that we need serious solutions for. I just threw out maybe, you know, some of the top issues. There's more than, than that. But I guess we don't care. I guess it hasn't gotten bad enough, so we have enough time on our hands to laugh about some town hall. Now, one of the things, speaking of no laughing matter, the surveillance state, I wish I didn't have to own a phone at all to function. But um, I just got for my wife a Refuge Ghost Sleeve. It's our newest sponsor, refugeprivacy.com. What is it? We all know there's harmful stuff from your phone. There's the 5G you know, I have an old phone, but my wife's broke, and you know, we all had, hers was like, it wasn't the iPhone 5, but it was the equivalent of 5, or the small version of it. Mine is the 8, because um, I like the home button. I'm just old-fashioned, and I didn't want the 5G. But what Refuge uh, Ghost Sleeve is, it's made out of American buffalo leather, and you put it in that pouch. It blocks the 5G signals that other Faraday sleeves miss, 
And um, it also blocks signal and sound. So they added the sound blocking panels on each side that keep, keep conversations private. It's also not like a clunky metal box. It looks cool. It feels nice. Um, and it's easy to put your phone in and take out throughout the day whenever you want the privacy. You can't be too careful these days. They're spying on you. Um, there's also, you know, other people, people could get your credit card number. I mean, I don't put my credit card in my phone, but, uh, my son just did a science for a science fair at the end of the year. He's doing it on this uh, machine they use to, uh, pickpocket you and, you know, how they can get into it. So it blocks that as well. So visit refugeprivacy.com. Use offer code Daniel to save 10% off your order. So again, it's refugeprivacy.com, promo code Daniel. We need a parallel economy. We need our own refugee and asylum. And some of that begins with some of this crappy technology. So again, refugeprivacy.com, offer code Daniel. So before I get back to Trump and how he is not the solution. He's part of the problem. He's even worse than the traditional establishment in the way he paralyzes and entertains our side while when it matters, screwing us. But I want to just give over how much, how inveterate this problem is. So again, it's not just like, oh, you get rid of Trump, you're great, you get DeSantis for president, we're, we're, we're solved. It's that Almost every Republican out there is either a McConnell guy or just a Trumpian noisemaker that on policy lands in the same place as McConnell, and we're left with nothing. I mean, I really, I'll be honest with you, I've been pushing primary reforms to go to uh, convention models more, and no one wants to work with me on that. Other solutions I've been pushing and pushing, at least getting involved in primaries, and I can tell you in every election cycle, we have not improved one iota in our ability to, to focus people and elect a better percentage of people out there. To this day, I think it's much more important than DeSantis being president is using him as the gold standard and then improving upon it in every other state with a Cook partisan voter index, Florida or, 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 or more. That, that should be our goal, and everyone should be ag agreeable to that. It's just so long as Trump is there, there's no initiative to do, a, do that. There's no desire to do that. And more often than not, he gets in our way on both policy and personnel, you know, these endorsements, like he's about to do in the West Virginia and Montana Senate races. But I saw this story. I want to share two stories with you. One's a column of mine. But I'll start with this from Congressional Quarterly. It's a subscription, but it might be on Roll Call, which they own as well, which is free. Ex-Senate Majority Leader Frist backs carbon tax at hearing. Former Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist, a Republican who led his party in the chamber during the George W. Bush administration, endorsed a carbon tax to lower heat-trapping greenhouse emissions. As GOP senators said, Congress should focus on the economy over tackling climate change. Frist was a doctor, served in the Senate from 1995 to 2007, including as majority leader in 2003-2007. Said climate change should be taken across the count of the federal budget. So basically at the Senate Budget Committee hearing on Wednesday, he was the Democrat witness. So like, I want you guys to understand how they all turn out to be frauds in the end, but at the time, I mean, I knew it, this is when I got into politics. 
This is when the GOP had the trifecta of governance under Bush. They had the House, the Senate, the White House. Bill Frist was the majority leader at one of the most impactful periods of time, just like McConnell was during Trump's trifecta. And this man is a transhumanist, leftist dog. And this, this is what we had as our leader. I mean, this goes back years. It's unreal. You would think maybe he would have been liberal then, but now after he sees all the destruction and the lies, no, that's how corrupt it is. It's the Uniparty. Then you might say, this leads me to my next story. Well, Daniel, what is the one issue that even rhinos, you know, Republicans are all pretty good on? Guns, right? You know, they're all good on guns. And indeed, they've used the gun issue to screw us on every other issue, but get reelected because they're good on guns. Okay. Well, Tennessee is a, a state that we have super duper majorities. It's trending redder over time. Although that's with voting patterns. If you look at immigration and refugees, the trajectory is insane. Nashville is overrun. But anyway, a lot of potential. And indeed, you know, if you have to grade on a curve, it's in the top five where the legislature has gotten a little better. And, you know, the House especially, they've, they passed some good bills. A couple of medical freedom things, a couple of things on trannyism. Okay. Now, I've been calling for an emergency special session to deal with the invasion because it's not a border issue. It's that every major city and minor city is getting flooded. Every school district is getting flooded all over the country. Okay, you take 8 million people within two years and you extrapolate that. I mean, that's a huge influx in every single state. They're going everywhere. You know, some have a little bit of a higher concentration than others, but they're pretty much going everywhere. So, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has taken up the call for a special session in August. He's calling for a special session. Except it's not on the illegal invaders. It's on red flag laws. Now, this is peak Republican. I want you guys to understand this. Bill Lee once said, let me get the quote here. Bill Lee is, he is a more passionate believer in jailbreak and letting out criminals than even the Democrats, because the Democrats just do it for power and votes. They don't actually believe in it. This guy believes as a Christian, he believes it's his duty to give violent criminals a second chance who already had built in 10 chances in the criminal justice system. He said we can empty our jails in the same way that some other states have done. That's what he said in 2019. And indeed, all of his crime policies have been oriented towards that. So this piece of SHI that is pro-criminal beyond belief because that's what's responsible for the bulk of gun violence is the repeat violent offenders. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, how he wants to let out. He has the nerve to then red flag us all and pushes a bill that will allow judges to confiscate um, your guns for 180 days without due process. Meaning you haven't been convicted of a crime. Take away the gun, but people who have been convicted of gun felonies with a preponderance of due process, he wants to let them out early. 
and 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 that's just what he says publicly. Privately, he meets with these Coke and Soros organizations on the day of that big Memphis killing of that jogger. I forgot. I'm sorry, I forget her name. It was heinous. All that crime in Memphis. He was meeting with right on crime, wrong on crime. I call them. And then and they tweeted it out, but then they deleted it because they because I attacked it. I went after it. So anyway, this piece of garbage has the nerve to make it about guns and not crime. But it's worse than that. What case is the catalyst that prompted him to do it? The Covenant School shooting in Nashville by that tranny. See, as you well know, the, the crisis we have is this. Most people are still killed by street crime, which is all jailbreak and repeat violent offenders that Billy is on the other side of. But then you might say, well, we do have this growing number of just these isolated mass shootings that usually don't have a criminal record and they're hard to deter. And, and, and everyone needs to agree that they are hard to deter. Okay, that's, that's the bottom line. When you have, but but that's not because of guns. They'll they'll use bombs. They'll use anything. They're psychopaths. That is because we have a generation of completely mentally ill, ill psychopathic. The breakdown of the family, the breakdown of religion, the breakdown of culture, and red states have done nothing until Florida to start to try to lean in on the culture. Tennessee has not done that. Their schools are a toilet, and he has the nerve. To make that, so the left gets to mow down Christians with one of their trannies, and it is a growing trend. There's a whole list of a lot of these attacks. I'm not saying it's all because of that. It's broad mental health, but a a prominent percentage of that mental health problem is the trannyism or similar things that are groomed by government and the culture. And then he gives the left what they want and echoes their talking about. I understand his proposal is not quite as bad as some of the other red flag laws, but it's still offensive that he agrees to the premise. Wait, so they attack our people and then we give them a policy victory? And they still won't release the manifesto? Which will inform us about the nature of this attack? But he wants to govern based off of it? These are the type of Republicans we have in deep red states. But anyway, this is a guy, this is a guy that opposed a simple bill that was introduced by the Speaker Cameron Sexton, and they did pass into law last term. Um, Where is this? I forget the bill number. But basically, it said that you have to have truth in sentencing. Truth in sentencing means that there's no early release. And it it was exclusively kidnapping, carjacking, murder, you know, rape. So Bill Lee is always like, oh, there's too many low-level people. But then what happens is, inevitably, they oppose bills targeting exclusively violent criminals because it's a lie. You could find notorious cases, obviously J6ers and political persecutions and mistakes here and there. But by and large, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you're there for a reason and plenty of people who need to be there aren't there. It's just the opposite. And indeed, Tennessee's murder rate has gone from 5.2 per 100,000 in 2013 to 11.5. It more than doubled under Bill Lee and Haslam, the previous dog who was in their uh, stewardship. 
and he has the nerve to talk about guns and surveillance and you know and again you know when you talk about red flag laws let's face it we know how that stuff is going to be used you don't go after the item you go after the person well daniel doesn't have a criminal record okay there is a process of committing a person not the item the person we have mental health stuff we have those authorities but the same movement that has been involved in emptying out the prisons have been involved in closing the criminally insane asylums. Indeed, in 2016, they closed the largest facility in, in the state in Knoxville. So that's the problem. You want to say these kind of like homeless or mentally ill, you don't want to put them in a regular prison, that's fine, but they got to be taken off the streets. Meaning it's the same thing with the street crimes with the mass murders as well. So that's what needs to be done. But to be clear, I just want to be clear. It's not like I have a foolproof policy solution. When you come decades into a uniparty supporting the decline of culture, dude, that that time bomb is exploding. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do when half of our youth are mentally ill. Now, I don't want to stigmatize and say every mentally ill person is going to be violent. No, but when you you know quadruple the number of mentally ill people, you are going to have an increase in this just out-of-control mass shootings and and i mean that that ship has sailed and by the way um this tranny passed a background check and also it wasn't a so-called assault weapon it was a nine millimeter you know carbine it was so it was a pistol caliber rifle not exactly a weapon of war um nine millimeter so that's bulgar, you know, it's, it's, it's garbage. I mean, most people are, you know, handguns could easily do people in, knives could do people in, um, and that's what it is. And folks, that's why there is no policy solution that's going to stop this. It, this is one of the biggest things ailing our country. At the same time that I believe red flag laws and guns will only be counterintuitive and won't work, it's not to say, like, we have a, you know, that it's not a problem. Oh, it is a problem, all right. The best you can do is learn how to, how to defend yourself in a situation like this. Patriot Academy offers the best defensive handgun training with the best Patriots. I've attended it so many times. It's changed my life. You might know how to do target practice. Do you know how to properly draw from the holster and within 1.5, 2 seconds, depending on the distance, get your two shots to the chest, one to the head as necessary. necessary. They will teach you that, clearing malfunctions, how not to panic in a gunfight. It is amazing. It is fun, but also very serious. The course, they have three-day, five-day courses. If you go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel today, they have it all there. Um, it's in Fredericksburg, Texas now, or just south of it, between Comfort and Fredericksburg, Texas. So we got a lot of you guys in Texas. No excuse for not attending um, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. They have courses pretty much every two weeks now through July, um, they have the basic for those of you who passed the basic, we will have looks like in, yeah, I want to say June 22nd, an intermediate level course. That's going to be kind of walking and shooting, moving targets, taking it to the next level, um, close quarter combat, um, shooting at, uh, what's called point three count three of your hold from your shoulder, real, real fun stuff. Um, and, and it's not just fun. You need this, folks. <laughs> and no one's protecting you but yourself. Uh, go to Constitution, or I'm sorry, PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. So 
I didn't watch this town hall last night. I don't care. It's just just a waste of time. Um, who needs it? Again, it was it it achieved its desired result and made the base very happy with Trump. Like, don't give a darn. It made CNN happy to get their ratings and made the Democrats happy to make him toxic among you know the swing voters. But there's there's one main point I want to get out that embodies what Trump is, who he is, why people are fooled by him, and why he is so problematic, not to the left, not to the swing voters, but to us more than anyone that actually wants to solve the uniparty problem, wants to solve the issues, feels the pain of our life, liberty, property, border, sovereignty, culture under attack. Um, But first, just in general, in general, I... I understand why people in 2016 were bought into the guy, why they conflated his attacks on the media with boldness on policy. They take a look at a guy and he says, look, if this guy's willing to just like say, hey, shut up, reporter, you suck, you're rude, this, that, or just totally like, you know, not care about anything. So this guy's going to get in there. He's going to burn it down. He just doesn't give a rip. I, I, I respect that. Now, I think I understood the nuance of where he was coming from, and I saw it, but, you know, okay, I I get it. But this is seven years later. We lived through his administration. If you haven't heard Ken Cuccinelli's indictment of him, Ken was his deputy DHS secretary. He had a great relationship with him. And Trump let him do what he wanted, but he let everyone else do what they wanted in the admin too and fought with him, and it was just, there was no preparedness for a policy fight, to do it smartly. There was no follow-through, and that was the problem. I don't understand, now that we know everything, and you see, ha, 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 he really owned that reporter. All right, that's great, but what does that do for us? So there's this minute-and-a-half clip I want to play. I just, you know, when I go back and see what's out there, because I can't listen to this stuff, I look for substance. And there was very little of it. Now, before I go after him, I do want to say the other point of substance was Ukraine, and I think he was very on message. I think he was consistently on message on that, um, saying basically that you know they try to create a false question of, oh, do you want Ukraine to win or Russia to win? And these things are false choices that somehow we have to be involved in a fight where there's no good outcome, and really the outcome is set. And it's just like, look, they ha- they got their parts the Russian parts. They don't really have the Russian military is not competent enough to take over the rest of it. So the detente they're in now will always be there. The question is, are you going to continue supplying more people dying or not? It's to no end other than protecting certain, not Ukrainians, but Western interests clearly um, that are very dark. And he didn't talk about that in the bio labs, but I, I thought he was very on message. Now I would just say even that as president, I still am very skeptical that Lindsey Graham and his Ilk won't be able to run circles around him. But anyway, the other thing was the debt ceiling, and I think it was a good question. They, they said, well, what do you think about it? And Trump's answer was the embodiment of the problem with him. That on the one hand, he indulges our issue but messages it horribly in the worst way, and then when he's in power... He won't even do it. So again, we get, it's like the Pfizer shot. Negative efficacy on the thing, but then you get the side effects. It's messaged in the worst 
possible way. Take a listen to this clip of Trump right here. If they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default. And I don't believe they're going to do a default because I think the Democrats will absolutely cave because you don't want to have that happen. But it's better than what we're doing right now because we're spending money like drunken sailors. So just to be clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts Republicans are demanding? We might as well do it now because you'll do it later. Because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. You once said that using the, that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You, you said that when sure. you were in the That's Oval Office. That's when I was president. So, so why is it different now that you're out of office? Because now I'm not president. <laughs> The U.S. defaulting would be massively consequential for everyone in this room, for all of You don't know. It's psychological. It's really psychological more than anything else. And it could be very bad. It could be maybe nothing. Maybe it's a you have a bad week or a bad day. But look, you have to cut your costs. We're we're spending $7 trillion on, much of it on nonsense, $7 trillion on nonsense. We've got another I question from a voter tonight. Get all of that money that was wasted, and frankly, the Senate should have never approved it. Get all that money that was... All right, folks. So he started off good if they don't give you massive cuts, like, screw you, you know, yeah, we should do it. You're going to have to go default. Okay, so, so first off, let me just unpack that. Both Kevin McCarthy and the congressional Republicans... And Trump are off message. So Kevin McCarthy's like, no, it's Biden's fault for default. Like, almost like, no, we're trying to avoid it and he's going to do it. And Trump's like, yeah, we should default. Well, both of those aren't really the issue and not good messaging. The messaging is, you are destroying us with debt and dependency, funding weaponized government, boxing the American middle class out of the American dream. We are now mortgaging our future with debt interest on the debt higher than military spending. We've reached a credit card limit. And like any family, you'll probably have to issue more debt. But you start cutting and prioritizing what you need. And that starts, as we said yesterday, we're not funding foreign nationals anymore. Okay, it's not, we're not going to balance the budget on that. But the foreign aid, the illegal immigration, illegal immigration costs hundreds of billions of dollars a year. That's not enough to balance the budget, but that's a start, and it's the easiest thing that won't harm Americans. How dare you invade us during this time while then saying we need to have a blank check for more debt? You don't deal with the default issues. That's not, that's not the point. The point is that we need to balance our books, and we need to cut harmful government that is creating inflation and weaponization. That's the issue. That's point number one. Point number two is default is a lie. You don't default when you reach the deadline. If we default, it will be Biden's fault, not just for not forging a deal with McCarthy and not raising the debt limit, but for choosing not to pay the interest on the debt. Again, this is the message. We have 75%, roughly three quarters. It's not like we have no revenue. We have enough revenue for three quarters of even the crazy Leviathan that we want to fund. 
For the other quarter, you have to issue debt. When you run out of debt to service, to issue, you don't automatically default. That's a lie. We have enough money to fund all of the military, Medicare, Social Security, the VA, but most importantly, the interest on the debt. You first pay the interest on the debt. And you could fund all the key things. Now, you might have a government shutdown because then you wouldn't be able to fund the Department of Interior and the EPA and all that crap. But that's a much easier thing to win on. But that's not default. That would be a choice that Biden chooses with the money he has to fund the EPA and the FBI and the Department of Interior and all that garbage and the bureaucrats over the interest on the debt. The interest on the debt We have to do something, otherwise it's going to be crushing. But at this point, it's still not high enough that we can't pay. We could pay it. I've demonstrated those numbers before. As this fight goes on, we'll talk about that. That is the message that needs to be put out. But to say, oh, I'm fine, we'll just default, that's off message. But, okay, that's not even my main point. But, folks, this is the money quote. She asked him, well, why didn't you have a problem when you were president? And it's not just your president. He was president at the pivotal moment that created the debt bomb. He serviced more debt than every American president, and that includes Biden, even though Biden's building off of his baseline. Just like with the cultural issues, just like with the biomedical security state, just like with the immigration numbers. At the pivotal time we needed him to immunize ourselves against that cliff we were up against, he was a Pfizer shot. Negative efficacy. So she asked him about it. Very legitimate question. I don't care whether you love CNN or hate it. That, that, we should all ask that question. And he left. He's like, yeah, because now I'm not president. Why do you do it then? Yeah, because I was president then. What the fresh hell? He literally let the cat out of the bag. That, my friends, that, my friends, is Donald J. Trump. That when the ball is not in play, and he's not on the field and the ball's not in his hand. And he's sitting there in the bleachers. He'll cheer. Yeah, I'm going to do, do this. But at the moment that it matters, he admits it. Yeah, when I actually have the power to do it, I'm, of course I'm not going to do it. I'm only going to say it when I don't have the power to do it. We're okay with And people are laughing. It's funny. He sounds like a comedian. It's refreshing. He doesn't sound like a typical politician. Ah, that, that, that's fine. But dude, he let that. This is my problem with him. This is my problem. It's unbelievable. Ironically, both lovers and haters of Trump love and hate Trump for what he says, but not what he actually does because he doesn't do any of the things for which people love him for or for which his opponents hate him for. They're all off base. And he, he said it. He literally said it on one of the most critical issues. He could have dealt with this. And mind you, he had um, he had three branches of government. I'm supposed to ignore that? There's all this talk of some people say he's unserious. His supporters are like, no, he that was so much fun. He owned the left and this. And, and my point is, I, I, that's all noise. But this is a critical moment. And the reason it's critical is because I don't care DeSantis, Trump, this, that. 
we can't wait till 2025. So one of our leverage points is the debt ceiling. And he's like, we should... De-. So he, he poisons our messaging like, yeah, default. Well, like, I mean, honestly, we're so broken, I don't even care. But I don't think that's the best messaging. That's not the point. The point is the way I just articulated it. And... um. But 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 the bigger thing is he said when he was president, he did the he 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 didn't mind just yeah of course when I'm president we're not going to do it but now we should because I'm not president. I how could anyone defend that? I don't want to hear oh but the rhinos but the globalists but CNN. I I, I don't want to hear that. A family discussion between those of us that claim to be. America first, whatever you want to call it. We're sick of the uniparty. We want to change it. How is that not the uniparty on steroids? How is that not making the establishment great again? Taking their talking points and doing it even more emphatically. Trump claims he finished the wall. He didn't. It was about 450 miles worth. And the reason is because he started too late. And the reason he started too late is because he killed us on those budget bills. It wasn't until we shamed him into it. For a while, it was only like 35 miles. I mean, what are we supposed to do with that? And this gets me back to the presidential race. I I was consistent from the get-go, and I'm consistent now. My view on the presidential race is this. I am more enthralled with DeSantis as a governor than as being president. Because I don't think anyone being president will really matter much. But the reason why I am upset and I get passionate about this is because in order to service Trump's ego, there now there's a moral hazard in conservative media that they won't criticize Trump when he goes to the, to the left, like the quote I just said. But they're also staying away from praising anything going on in Florida. And the reason why that's so destructive is because I don't care if you want it as president, but that needs to be the standard to shame Bill Lee in Tennessee and Greg Abbott in Texas Why are you not passing his immigration bills? Why are you not leaning in on the blue cities like DeSantis is? He prepares. There's follow through. We should all admire that. At the same time, as good as he is in governing, I'm not even like, I don't know. I mean, he'll do a better job than Trump did, but I I think it's too little too late. To me, what matters is that you reward and, and elevate his sort of success and demand that as the minimum standard for every Republican. But instead, they're giving interference for Trump moving to the left. And because they're scared to buck Trump, now DeSantis is a dog. And now he, everything he does doesn't matter. And they join with the establishment. It's like, you know, this is a New York Times article. Florida rejects dozens of social study textbooks and forces changes in others. You see the follow-through. It wasn't just a talk, oh, I'm going to change the things. State officials originally rejected 82 out of 101 submitted textbooks because of what they considered inaccurate material, errors, and other information. And they forced a lot of publishers to change things. So basically, they found certain things on um, kneeling to the flag. They took it out. They took it out. Um, He's changing the culture in the state. Again, I if you personally, if if they asked me my opinion, I would rather I think he's popular enough rather than 
expending his political capital, going up against the media, the Democrats, and Trump all united against him. I would rather they change the law there, although you probably, I, mean, I guess you need a constitutional amendment, but, you know, and, and, and you know, run, run for another term as governor and, and take this to the next level. Personally, I would rather that. But it is what it is. He's clearly running for president. There's a super PAC out there. Seems like it's within the next few weeks. So he's going to run. So at that point, it does matter. Because it matters in the sense of who reflects us more. Who reflects what we're trying to accomplish more. Who do you want as your leader? At a minimum, in the worst case scenario, best case scenario, he's tailwinds to our agenda. Worst case scenario, he's not headwinds. Doesn't get in our way. That's what I'm pissed. I don't care. You want to support Trump, support Trump. But to somehow be okay with all of Trump's moving to the left and all of DeSantis's things he's doing is garbage, that's a big problem. Because that tells me that you have no intention on doing anything else. You want to go and... and Support Trump, but you're going to be with us on the congressional primaries. You're going to be with us on the policies, on the state legislative fights, on the congressional fights. You're going to fight it all, be a voice on policy innovation, on ideas to somehow break the uniparty. Now, I would argue Trump works against that, but okay, let's shake on it. Let's work on that. I think the presidential election in and of itself, who is actually president, is the least important thing. But what you run on, and and because everyone focuses on the presidential election, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, so that message does matter. So my point is that, but, but if you're going to be like, now I have to oppose everything DeSantis does as governor, and therefore we're not going to pressure other governors to be like that, other governors are going to look at that and look at the MAGA base. Let's say the establishment is trashing him. The MAGA base is, esta- is trashing him. There's no pressure or incentive for them to move to the right. They'll just keep doing what they're doing, which is doing their rhino stuff and just walking on eggshells around Trump. So they won't tick off the base. See, they should tick off the base by things Bill Lee is doing. But no, Bill Lee will kiss up to Trump. As long as Bill Lee doesn't say anything about Trump, he could pass whatever liberal legislation he wants. Greg Abbott, same thing. No problem. No problem. Christy Nome, same thing. This is the moral hazard. Christy Nome's entire staff, alumni, donors, lobbyists, associates, they are grabbing people's land forcibly in South Dakota for the worst green energy scam imaginable. And there is nobody who is, has their hair on fire about it. It's the paralysis of the substance that bothers me. This is my point. We can't suddenly be okay with this. Let me know what you think. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. It has nothing to do with DeSantis. DeSantis is only a new... Th- I didn't even realize he was running until like two months ago when the Super PAC came. I still... I thought he was like... I don't know. I thought he was just like kind of playing up the media. DeSantis is new. I've been doing this for 15 freaking years. People want to say, oh, I know why because you're, you're in with him. Dude, I've been consistent on focusing on substance issues. Nobody has covered the immigration issue more than I have. I don't think there is a person on the right that has more 
columns with a byline on that issue than I do spanning 15 years. Primaries, state legislative sessions. I'll never be about one person or not. I didn't even care until one thing. I thought, okay, some people will go with Trump, whatever. But now they are, oh, so two things happen. DeSantis had a blitzkrieg of, of legislative victories are completely being shadow banned. No one will touch it. And Trump moved to the left more than I thought he would. And they're okay with it. That's when I start caring about the presidential election. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Because that gets in our way of ever dealing with the Uniparty because you're making the Uniparty greater than it ever was. You're validating it. You are pushing, putting the kosher stamp of approval on the establishment that we wouldn't have. Let's say DeSantis announced tomorrow, you know, I, I don't need this bullcrap. I'm not running. Which, frankly, if I were him, that's what I would do. I have a family. Who needs that? This country's not worth it. Federal government's a maggot-infested carcass. Not worth even fixing. You can't fix it anyway. Screw it. I'd start a kind of a mass, take my money, start a massive organization to make red states red and start pounding away at these people. Personally, if I were him, that's what I would do. But it looks like, I mean, he's going to do what he does. So we have a choice. And the choice isn't so much, who do you want to be president? But do you want to continue this crap? Do you want someone who's going to be based on decorum or based on results? Based on rhetoric when he is not in office and has power? Or based on results and action and follow through when he has the power? And the contrast could not be greater. Not just for a one-man versus mano-mano for presidential, but a paradigm shift that we need to create. Because, yeah, I'll agree with you in two seconds. Even DeSantis is too little too late. But at the same time, he's light years above every other Republican governor. (laughs) So what does that tell you about the magnitude of work that we have cut out for us? And that none of us really have solutions, including myself, even though I have more than everyone else, that really rises to the magnitude of what we're confronted with. But I guess for a lot of people, now we'll find out what the primary voters think. It's not necessarily a reflection of people who are on Twitter all day making noise, doing politics all day. We'll find out if it's a reflection of the fake conservative political class or not. But the question is, is the pain deep enough? Is it hard enough on you? Or does it have to get worse? And it's still great that we could have, you know, doses of political fentanyl numb our senses. This is great comedic relief. DeSantis could go away tomorrow. Let's say he's gone. It won't change anything I'm saying. Because then the question is, what, what do you do? Now, And I don't mean who do you vote for. You want to say, well, all the other ones are dogs. Pence, Haley, whatever. So you want to vote for Trump? That's fine. Vote for him. But we still have the same problem. That he represents our views, even though he doesn't, paralyzes any initiative, makes our voters suddenly okay with things they never would have been before, and we have no path to solving anything. That's my view on the presidential election. It doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, but it's nonetheless true. 
I care deeply about it now because of what it represents and what it leads to. But at the same time, I'll tell you, A, we can't wait till 25 25 to, to make some serious changes. And B... I I am very suspicious of any one individual's ability to even change that. I really am. And and that's with seeing how DeSantis literally turned around the departments of health and education. They are now a conservative organ. You have Latipo that is downright, in no other state do you have a guy like Latipo. So the presumption is that he, you know, has the bragging rights to say, I will do the same thing at a federal level. I and, and I think within the margins, it'll be a lot better than Trump's presidency. I just think it's too little too late. I think we're too late for that. But if he's going to run and give voice to the governors creating a compact and dealing with this now, here's what you need to do now on the presidential campaign. So then that's self-fulfilling because everyone is obsessed about the presidential primary. So that could be used as a platform to focus on substance and focus on what we can do now. If he does that, then I believe it will be well worth him running. We'll find out. But if you're out there that somehow Trump is amazing and DeSantis is horrible, I don't care. It's not like personal. Oh, you're attacking my guy. I don't care. He doesn't care. He's got a thick skin. I don't care. To me, it's more like, oh, that tells me that obviously you don't care about what you say you care about. No, you don't. You care about having a pissing match with some 30-year-old CNN reporter no one ever heard of. Knock yourself out. And frankly, I feel like leaving this business most days, if not for the amazing emails I get from you guys, encouraging, realizing that I'm not alone and that there's people that care about substance, I want to be at voice and fight for you. So I'll keep doing that. I might get out of this one day, but as long as I'm in it, I have an obligation to focus on substance. But again, I just want to reiterate, I could go the other direction and say, the presidential election so doesn't matter, so I'll use that as an escape hatch to conveniently talk around it and not take a side, which would be very good for me because I don't need to talk about it. I'm the Of all my colleagues, I... I have the least need to talk about it because I have so many other issues and projects and ideas and policies I want to talk about, I could just ignore it and not turn off a certain segment that the minute you say anything about Trump, they go bonkers. It's stupid for me to do it. But at the same time, so you don't want to obsess about Trump that everything's him because it's not, but you can't say he doesn't matter. He does. And he is harming us in many ways. And he needs to be at least held accountable and put in check. Really needs to go away. But at a minimum, just at least move him to the right. Get it, keep him on message. So yeah, I'll tell you exactly where I stand on that. Yeah, you know, you put it up between the two of them. To me, it's a no-brainer. I don't even understand why you would support one over the other. But at the same time, I do feel that no one person winning as president is going to change much. And our focus needs to be something so much broader. How do we break the uniparty? Frankly, if if um, the next time I see DeSantis, what I would tell him if it's too late, I, I w- I'd like to see him run as an independent. Just screw it all. Just say we're done with the uniparty. That's what I would love to see. That, I think, would be transformational. Or someone should convince RFK to run as an indie. 
And now you're cooking with gas. But until then, I hate to be sour and end on a sour note, but we're screwed. I mean, we have a uniparty, and it ain't getting better until we have a solution. But that solution will not come until we pray and beg and, you know, long for a solution. And that's not going to come until this distraction is removed. In that sense, the presidential election matters a lot. So don't take me out of context, this and that. Oh, you're this, you're doing this, this. This is exactly my motivation and my 15 years of substance vouches for it. Let me know what you think, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.